Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Happy Monday and welcome back to the IDP Heat Seekers, the only fantasy football show that is here at 930 on a Monday night. Who knows? Hopefully everything's going well in your world. I am, as always, Roto Heat Brad. And when I'm not here, I'm not Roto Heat Brad. Someone else is Roto Heat Brad. Roto Heat Craig, how are you tonight, my friend? How is the world treating you? And happy Father's Day to the gentleman on the show. And happy Father's Day to anybody that's listening. It's obviously a day late, but hopefully it treated you well. How was yours, Craig? It was fine. Got to get outside and do some work. And kids uh, had some grill food and s'mores on a fire, burning brush, all that sort of fun stuff. So it was nice to get out and do that. And that's about the long and short of it. How was yours, Austin? Good. Got to get out and cook some lunch with the family. So that was really nice just to be able to get out and grill. It's hot. So of course you had to kind of make sure you stay hydrated. But other than that, it was a good weekend. Got to spend some time with the kids and family. So had a good time. We like that. We like good times. And I, and hopefully all fathers had a good father day. It, it, for me, it was a fun weekend. We drove, we had a family barbecue in Ohio from on my wife's side. So we went there. Had some good barbecue. I'm a big fan of brisket, and, and her uncle made his own smoker and out of this giant drum and put it on a on a cart and all sorts of cool stuff that he does. And uh, so that was good. And then we drove to Detroit for, for an event. I had never been to Little Caesars Arena and was super impressed with the facilities. They've really done an excellent job building up uh, kind of the, the downtown Detroit area by the stadiums. There's still plenty of other nonsense all around the stadiums i did you know look at a little bit outside of it but little caesar's arena is cool like anybody that can get there should go there to watch an event i mean it's a cool atmosphere a nice place they did a good job with it and fun fact if you're in row seven or up in the in the lower section so not main floor area but in the 100s and you're in row seven and up your uh cup holders flip up so that's always nice for bigger folk like myself with the big old long legs and the big bodies. You can flip that cup holder up and you don't feel so uh, stuck in your seat. Fun fact, now you know. So with that being said, tonight we are talking edge players, our top 10 edge players. If you missed last week's, we talked to our top 10 linebackers. And the focus of these shows is to help out our, our redraft IDP brethren as you guys are getting ready because redraft season is fast approaching. We want to make sure that you are ready for that. So today we're talking edge players. Some sites don't necessarily just call them edge. Sometimes it's, you know, defensive end. Edge is more is is becoming a more prevalent term, but I think it's and you guys will have to correct me because I have only seen it on Flea Flicker. Is there other places that use the edge role? Do you know? ESPN's had it longer than Flea Flicker has. Oh, and yes. I think some places just give those players eligibility. Over linebacker eligibility or some places, you know, have it specifically outside linebackers. So there's getting to be more variance, but I've seen sleepers do finding it out differently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So ESPN was the OG in it and uh, Flea Flicker is the the only one that I've known. I haven't, I haven't done ESPN fantasy league in a very long time. So that being said, we are going to touch on it. And the, and the interesting thing is I was putting together tonight's uh, list you know, I compiled our information. There was only two players that didn't make our top 10 when all things were said and done. So that was cool. I mean, that we're all pretty close. So it isn't necessarily consensus. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We, I mean, we have 10 players on here, but we all had them at varying levels. But this, the first two we didn't, we all agreed these two. So number one, TJ Watt from Pittsburgh. Austin, give us your take about TJ Watt. I mean, obviously, you know, he's been pretty dominant for a little bit, but, you know, feel free to uh, explain to people why he's the best edge guy to target in IDP this season. Well, I mean, he's the most expensive, most explosive um, defensive player on the field at, at any time. Could be the uh, most expensive. Who knows? It could potentially be if you are in a salary cap league or like what what are they called? Not the auction leagues. Hmm. So anyhow, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's just one of the most explosive players on the field at all times. You watch what he does. You know, he's great in uh, against you know pass rush and then of course he can drop into coverage and do some things he's a sure tackler but i think the thing that you know when you look at the numbers and the analytics you know when you compare these two guys these top two guys which we'll get to the other one in a minute i think the other one 
you know, statistically kind of grades out better. But I think what you see for TJ Watt is he's a great fit for that defense. He's a leader on the defense. He's got the right pieces around him, whether that be coaching and, you know, just some of the other players that have been on on that defense. Cameron Hayward, who's been just an anchor for that defense for a long time. He's a great leader. They've got a lot of good players around him, but TJ Watt is probably just the most impactful player on, on the defense. He has been for, you know, at least two years running now. And I'd see no signs that he's going to slow down i expect another big year for him craig what's your what's your take on tj so basically he's and i think it's been this way for a couple of years if you look at these edge players you know again it's your four three defensive ends three four outside linebackers that's what you're combining essentially to get this edge position if you're not familiar with it so you're going to be seeing guys that you won't normally see grouped together here but tj watt statistically has just been an outlier he's been Every year except his first year, he's had double-digit sacks and double-digit tackles for a loss, along to go with high tackle totals, you know, 68, 55, 53, 64, and that's with a good amount of solos, you know, 50, 35, 43, 48. So he's just doing everything that you would want from a defensive player, and by and large, he's probably the number one or number two guy even going in dynasty leagues that I'm seeing that have sort of that edge position, um, the traditional linebackers usually are getting drafted after him and Parsons. We talked about last week that is a traditional linebacker, but some sites mm-hmm. sort of have him as an edge position for now. So he, he does everything at a high level he has for several years, and I don't know what more you could ask for in a defensive player, really. Well, and not only that, but the availability. This guy doesn't miss much time. I mean, what he miss? Like three games Two in games his career? last year. Yeah, so I mean, it's not been many games in his career. I think, and even looking back before last year, I think it was only one or two games that he missed. So, yeah, he was very available, very much on the field all the time, and that's what you want. If you're, you know, especially in in this situation, you'll be targeting a guy like this with one of your earlier IDP picks. You're going to have to. He's probably what, you know, mid mid round five, six, seven. I mean, depending on your league type and and what it looks like. Obviously, we talked about last week in redraft. Craig tends to to let him slide and, and rotate a little bit, if I remember correctly. I'm one of those that just kind of goes based on how the draft is going. If, if I'm seeing a lot of players at a position of need disappear, then maybe I think about targeting one, maybe I don't. I don't typically be the first guy to start taking a, a position group. Sometimes I'll, I'll wait and try to get better value. But TJ Watt's one of those guys that if you target him, I mean, you're going to get a great return because he's just always on the field. He's dominant. I think when you look at one of the things I like about flea flickers, looking at all the players, you can sort by kind of their weekly average based on however your league scoring is. And TJ Watt was, I think, like three or four points higher than any other guy in that list. Yeah, I mean, you get what you pay for with this guy. I mean, he's just elite. Yeah, with that roto heat scoring that you can find that we sort of use as a base. And of course, it tries to sort of balance things out. It isn't perfect. It's hard unless you're getting down broken by position, like cornerback specific defensive tackle to defensive end stuff. But it's relatively balanced ish. He was five points higher on average than the next person. And that was like 60 some total points. So to your your point, yeah, I mean, even if that's, you know, one less tackle for a loss a game, he's still scoring more than the next guy. Yeah, and and I think you make a good point there. I I don't think there'll be much regression for him, right? Even if just a little bit. I mean, you kind of know what to expect from this guy because he's been a very strong producer in his career so far. So I I don't know about you guys. I mean, do you think what we saw from him last year is is a – fair expectation for this year i guess would be a good question and really for both of these guys him and garrett what do you think craig i see you're shaking your head craig Craig shook his head so i want to hear is i want to hear why he's shaking his head what do you think oh sorry uh 22 and a half sacks and 21 tackles for a loss. I, I don't think that's something you can consistently be counting on year to year. He's probably going to fall more into that, you know, 13, 14 and a half, 15, the prior years that he had for sacks. And then, you know, that 12, 14, 23, I mean, in 2022 or excuse me, 2020. So, you know, maybe in the high teens for tackles for a loss, middle teens for sacks. But even then, if you're getting that year after year after year, I, I don't know how you can ask for more. You don't get okay. that consistency normally. Yeah, agreed. Awesome. What were you gonna say, Bob? 
I mean, that's fair. That's sort. I sort of look at offensive guys kind of the same way. Like, I think it's disrespectful to the Michael Thomases and the Cooper Cups of the world to think that they're just going to repeat or exceed what they did when what they did was so historic. And that's kind of what we've seen this past year with, you know, with TJ Watt. So it's probably fair to assume he could have some regression, although, you know, I look at a player like uh, Blake Martinez, who just sustained a high level of production every single year, was consistent, never left the field. And then, of course, the injury happened. And that, you know, really was the only reason that that changed. You know, when I, I have Blake Martinez on some of my rosters and, you know, without the injury, I'm fully expecting him to be performing at a top three level. And, you know, I kind of expect the same from TJ Watt. So even with some regression, you know, like Craig referred to earlier, he's, he still has room to lead the defensive players this year. So he'll he'll be just fine. Well, yeah, I mean, even when you look at the guy who's number two on our list, which is Miles Garrett from Cleveland, I mean, Miles Garrett's high is only 16 sacks in a season. And that was last year. I mean, so him and TJ both kind of produced otherworldly for their for themselves. But when you look at at Miles Garrett before that, it's you know it's 12 sacks, 10 sacks, 13 and a half, and then seventh. I mean, so you would expect if TJ Watt is dipping down into the teens, Miles Garrett's dipping low teens. You know, maybe where TJ Watt's you know, like you were saying, 13 to 15, 16, something in there. Garrett's more like a 10 to 14 is kind of what a safe expectation range wise for sacks would be specifically. Uh, so that's, that's the thing where it's like, that's what makes TJ Watt kind of heads and, you know, what is it? Heads and tails or whatever that is statement above everybody else, head and shoulders above everybody else, because even his, his floor or, or closer to the more of a median is, is just so much better than everybody else's miles. Garrett though, is still a strong producer. I mean, he's a guy that's going to get you, a fair amount of, of production and really get you right up there. But I think at a, at a significantly less price, I can't imagine that if you see TJ Watt go, Miles Garrett is immediately next guy. I mean, cause you're looking at, and obviously we don't have our top 50 or so here, but we think some other linebackers, maybe safety or two would maybe go before a Miles Garrett kind of level. So it's almost like a tier break. It's TJ Watt. And then there's the next tier of a couple of guys, Craig, what's your thought on Miles Garrett? And, and is it safe to think his production is going to drop something to, you know, 10 to 14 kind of range. How do you feel about him in his production? Yeah, you know, you have a body of work just like you do with TJ Watt here. I think it's like, you know, five to six years apiece with these players so far, and they both sort of had their best years to date this past year. So it's hard to know. I really don't think most players, once they hit that peak, wherever it is throughout their career, that's where they average out to, you know, but Miles Garrett has been consistent to sort of that, 13 and a half, 10, 12 sacks in the four years after his rookie year before last, excuse me, his rookie year, the three years after that, not including last year, which was his record year. And the same thing with his tackles for a loss, 12, 11, 10. Mm-hmm. And he does decently with tackles too. You know, it was 44, 29. But in that year, 2019, he only played 10 games due to injury. So he still had a really nice year considering he played 10 games. So, right. you know, that 44, 48, 51, you know, that's probably where you're looking for combined tackles for him, although they do have, I think, some better pieces around him. I think the defense is going to be better overall this year, and who knows what's going to happen with that offense, but they're at least building it up to try to be better than it has been. So, you know, maybe take some pressure off the defense from constantly being on the field. So, you know, to your point, double-digit tackles for a loss, probably in that 12 to 14 sacks and getting you a, a nice number of tackles. He's a great defensive end. He's probably, you know, defensive one, defensive end one for all of us. You throw an edge in there, it's just a matter that T.J. Watt is, you know, one of those generational-type talents. So, mm-hmm. For sure. Austin, what do you think, Bob? Yeah, if you follow the numbers for Miles Garrett, you look at the games he started compared to those sack totals that he's getting. As long as he's on the field, he's going to be a producer. You know, I think throughout his career, he's missed a little bit of time, not a substantial amount of time, but he's missed some time, it's cost some some games, and you know, he's fell a little bit short of what you saw last year, which you know, again, was career highs for him. I s- expect to see more of the same, although you know, with him, if if you're looking at what his median is you could expect maybe that he might have some regression but i think this defense is trending in the right direction you know and so i think that's a big help miles garrett's kind of always just been the only piece 
Uh, you know, obviously they brought in Jadavian Clowney for a short period. That didn't really work out. They just haven't really been able to generate much outside of Miles Garrett. But you're starting to see those pieces come together. You know, they've got some really nice uh, defensive backs in there at, the, at those positions. They got some linebackers that they brought in and started to do some things with. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then they've been able to bring some other guys in to kind of help in the interior of that defensive line. So, you know, just having the right guys in the right places is going to help Miles Garrett be successful. So he's not the only one who's expected to just do everything. I don't think that that's ever you know, a great strategy or a great recipe for success for any IDP player. So I like Miles Garrett again this year. I think he sh- we should expect him to you know produce. But I will say, like you, you alluded to in the beginning, Brad, it's like there's a pretty big beer tier, t- tier break between what we see from Miles Garrett and, and TJ Watt. Obviously, beer is on my mind. So I, th- I thought beard, you were gonna say a beard, beard take. I was like, oh well, yeah. there could be a big beard take. I don't know. Anything's possible, yeah. right? Yep. Beers, tears. All right, we'll so rank we go them from, on another we go show. From, and we go from beard takes to Bosa brothers. So we go to uh, number three on our list, Nick Bosa, who's at, at kind of a different level than these guys, right? So he had uh, a strong rookie season, then a ton of missed time in his second year with injury. Then he comes back and has an even better year three. What does this mean? You know, like how do we? kind of predict where we're going do we continue to see him ascend is he going to continue to get bigger and bigger and have better production better production or are we going to see something in between i mean that's that's the question that obviously we don't know the answers to that we're, we're just going to speculate on but this player is is dominant they've done some things to try to help on defense and try, try to make it better they're expecting the offense to produce better and and they're hoping that the offense can help take you know like we've said with some of these other guys take pressure off the defense but with a guy like Bosa, you've got a clear trajectory where he just keeps going up in production. What is the ceiling? We don't know entirely. Austin, I'll kick it to you first. What do you think about Bosa and and him at number three? You know, is this another tier break situation? Is it kind of a TJ Watt tier, Miles Garrett tier? Then we get into a tier where you have a few guys together. Because I could make the case that at least the next three guys are very similar in my mind. Like I would like any one of these three guys as my starter. What is your take and how do you feel about Mr. Bosa? You could make the case that his trajectory is upwards and Miles Garrett's is good, but eventually Miles Garrett's is probably going to decline. And I could see Nick Bosa pushing for that number two spot. Uh, he's 24 years old. You look at you know what he did in his first year, obviously, you know, just trying to get acclimated to the NFL first year. Your expectations can't be, you know, that couldn't have been our highest. So we expect him to get better, right? 2020 was kind of lost with the injury, but he looked like he came back well from that. And that's encouraging. 2021, mm-hmm. he posted pretty dominant numbers. I would expect more of the same. I mean, this is a guy who you look at him and he's a physical specimen. He takes care of his body, takes his game seriously, prepares well, and then you look at the defense around him, San Francisco's defense, they've got a lot of really, really good pieces and, you know, they've got some great coaching around them as well. So I really like Nick Bosa. I think, you know, he's a guy that, you know, could, you could take, uh, if you're taking him at the third spot, he could produce, you know, he could produce as a top two option. So, you know, you could make a little gain on him, but I like Nick Bosa. I think he's a a really good player, obviously. That's why he's the number three on our list, but I I definitely think that there's room for improvement in his game. Now, how much? I don't know because 15 and a half sacks is pretty good for any season, but you know, there's definitely room. You look at the tackles for losses that he's had, you know, went from 16 to 21 could see some more there, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's producing well. I would expect more of the same. Mr. Reith, where are we at? So if we're talking like tiers, yeah, Watt's probably in that that first tier, and then these two guys are in the second for me, and then it's a tier break. These two are kind of the the two in there. And their stats really, I mean, you could make the case that Bosa had a better season than Miles Garrett. They played the same number of games. Uh, Garrett had, I think, half a sack more, and he had one fewer combined tackle, but he had more solo tackles. And I believe Bosa had more tackles for a loss, too. So, you know, they're both really good. If we're looking at historically here, you know, Miles Garrett's done it for longer because he's been in the league longer dynasty-wise. I'd have to go and look. I don't know, but I think I probably have Nick Bosa ahead of Miles Garrett due to the age thing, you know, being two to three years younger and also performing at that high level. I just really don't like the team around him as much. You know, the defensive line – 
I think we kind of get stuck in our mind the defensive line from a few years ago. You know, they drafted Drake Jackson, who was probably going to push for playing time, but they just don't last year. They didn't this year, too. They didn't have anything amazing. So since Bosa did it last year, was he going to do it again this year? We're going to have to see here. Javon Kinlaw is a guy that I liked a lot coming out, and he keeps having injuries and just hasn't shown anything at all to date. So, you know, that's worrisome. They got Armstead there. He's not really a fantasy guy, but he's a nice player on the field. And they're still just trying to start out that other edge rusher, and maybe it will be Drake Jackson to take some pressure off Nick Bosa having to do it all. But you could flip a coin between him or Garrett for the number two guy on this list for me. I like them both about the same. Yeah, they're solid. Next up on the list will be Chase Young, edge rusher from the Washington Commanders. This one, you know, like Bosa, there's an injury in year two that really caused us to not be able to know what, you know, what is next. Solid rookie season, you know, had seven and a half sacks. He had some, uh, he had a, what, three fumble recoveries, four forced fumbles, you know. Solid player, definitely looked the part of an elite edge rusher. So some of this, us having him as a top five edge play in this year is is hopeful, right? Is is wishful thinking because we don't, you know, we don't know how quickly he bounced back from injury, how he's feeling, how things healed. Some of that is just a speculation, but if he's healthy and 100% comes start of the season, there's no reason not to think, you know, this is a double-digit sack guy in this season because now we've got um, – Year two of Jamin, Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis, however you pronounce his name, with Cole Holcomb. I mean, the linebackers have gotten better. Secondary looks like it should, on paper at least, be getting better. Defensive line is still dominant. I mean, still tons of really good players along that line. How can he not, right? I'll kick it to you first, Austin. What uh, what's your what's your take, and and how do you feel about Chase Young, and what's your gut telling you? I mean, the key is going to be that he comes back healthy. You know, he's a young guy. We saw you know, the last guy we just talked about, Nick Bosa, who came back from injury and was able to post dominant numbers. There's nothing that points to anything to say that Chase Young couldn't do the same. You know, again, he's one of those guys that you just look at the physical specimen and, and it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, though, not only is it a matter of Chase Young getting healthy, but it's some of these other guys that we saw last year. You know, that that defensive line was decimated with injuries. Montez Sweat, you know, across playing across from Chase Young. I, he's a force. Doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. Jonathan mm-hmm. Allen, obviously an interior guy who's really talented. Deron Payne as well. So, I mean, they got four guys across that defensive line. And then, you know, you've got Fedarian Mathis, who's now you've drafted. You could rotate in there. So those guys, they, they are they're That's a really, really good unit. Maybe one of the better units in the NFL. And, and I think if all those guys get healthy, that's obviously going to be a key to success for Chase Young. Chase Young as a player, I mean, he's just got to get right. You know what I mean? He's got to be on the field. Last year, you know, I'm looking at his stats here. It says he played nine games, but only generated a sack and a half. So you wonder how how healthy he might have been in those nine games. So I like him a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. You know, there's nothing, there's no reason for me to think that, you know, he should go down. He sh- his production will definitely go up from what it was last year. I, I could see him taking a jump from year one as well, as long as everybody's healthy. Yes. And thanks for the comment, Cody. Shout out to Paranormal Activity. Make sure you guys check it out if you haven't already. Player Normal Activity, not Paranormal, Player Normal. It is a great show. As the guy who edits it each week, last few weeks, I've been enjoying it. Craig, what is your take on Chase Young and where are you at with him? And, and what what does your gut tell you about his production this year? So as a heads up, we make these lists like a couple days in advance. We aren't literally just ranking you know, minutes before the show. And honestly, with the recent news coming out about Chase Young, uh, that he's probably going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list, I'd probably have him lower. And I was the lowest out of the three on him. I had him at six, which isn't crazy low compared to four. But still, if you're talking top tens, he'd probably be right at the fringe or maybe not even in the top ten. He's been a lot of hopeful and promise type of play so far in his career. He had a really nice rookie year. And then last year, even when he was healthy, he admitted that he was pushing too hard. He was trying to make too much happen. He was putting it all on himself to be that guy. And Rivera talked to him about it, talked about it in the press. He did too. So, I mean, the fact that he's aware of it and, you know, knows that he needs to sometimes let the plays come to him and not be pushing everything or rushing everything despite being a pass rusher. Uh, 
I think it's good to have that awareness, but then you put this injury on top of it. And to me, the difference between him and Bosa is I think Bosa played in two games that year that he got hurt, whereas Chase played in like nine or 10 and then he got hurt. And the, those couple months are going to be a big difference from this recovery that we see in most players. You know, we all see those stories about those guys that tear an ACL or this or that, and then come back and they're amazing the next year. It still isn't the norm. There's still usually, you know, like another full year before they're completely back to where they were. So, I'm still bullish on him long-term, but for redraft, I'd probably have him even lower at this point just because if he's going to be missing games, then what's he going to look like? We knew he had issues and was trying to sort things out the last time he was on the field. I just have more concerns uh, for this year anyway. Yeah, he's he's definitely in a position where it could go either way, right? If he's slow to return and he's slow to get up to speed, then the production's going to dip. Then you know, you're know you going to be in a position where you're just not going to get the same value out of him this year. And especially in a redraft format, I mean, you need that value. So yep. this is one of those guys that you may want to make sure either you go one of two ways. You either insulate him with another one of the the top, you know, 12-ish defensive end, edge rusher type guys, or you let somebody else take the chance on him, right? So you, you kind of have to decide which direction you want to go with a player like Chase Young, knowing that he could be strong or he could really cost you some significant IDP production this year, but... I think that's kind of as an owner where you have to be in your in your thinking is you have to decide which way you're going to go. You're either in or you're out. And if you're in, you got to insulate it. A guy that you don't have to insulate because the last two years he's been healthy and been perfectly fine is Brian Burns, who's next up on our list. He's number five on our list from the Carolina Panthers. This guy's been very good, been consistent the last two years. You know, was he get like eight, nine sacks each year? Uh, after his rookie year, which is rookie year, he missed time. You know, he was injured. So he's one of those guys that, you know, it looks like he should continue to be consistently right around the not eight to 10 sack range would be my guess. The defense keeps getting better. They've added some pieces throughout the draft. The young guys are getting more seasoned. Craig, I'll start with you. What's uh, what's your take on Brian Burns and how are you uh, how are you feeling about him? And do we expect him just kind of stay where he's at or maybe maybe even increase a little bit he was a guy that coming into the league he was raw in that he had all those physical tools and talents but he wasn't a huge stat guy at florida state if i'm remembering correctly and then he you know came into the league and he he played but he didn't start many games but still into a seven and a half sacks showed a lot of promise and he's just gotten better over the past couple of years the sack total has been the same his tackles went down a little bit from two to three but his tackles for a loss went up, which, you know, these edge guys are sort of looking for big plays. And then, you know, to have that safety floor or buffer of tackles, which he gives you too. And he's had the thirties for solo tackles each of the past couple of years. I am interested to see what happens with this defense that you're speaking to. And I do think there's a lot of promise there, but I also think their offense really doesn't have figured out what is going on there. And we've seen that you know, work one of two ways where, you know, it can sort of deflate the defense over the course of a season, or they can just be on the field so much more that you're going to get more stats. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about him not getting the stats just for the fact that he's shown it the past two years on two not very good teams anyway. But right. You need to figure out that other position across from whether it's going to be Uter taking that step because, you know, Hassan Reddick is gone after that nice year that he had for him last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the secondary should be great. They got a lot of really nice pieces back there. And we know sometimes getting those coverage sacks, you know, they'll still count the same in IDP. Right. So um, I like him a lot. I think I had him the highest out of the three of us. I had him at four. So, yeah, I mean, I really like him. And he'd be in that sort of third tier for myself that we're talking about at this point. Well, he almost feels like one of those guys that and because we did. I mean, we've been saying it with some of these other players. The offense needs to take pressure off the defense. I mean, the defense has been in pressure for his entire career with Carolina. They've not had good quarterback play. They've not, you know, there's been reasons that the offense has been stagnant over the last few seasons and he's still produced well. So it feels as though, you know, even if they're in a very similar situation again this year, and we don't know, you know, the rumors are it's Baker, maybe Darnold takes another step. I mean, who knows? What it does tell us is that we should feel confident that Brian Burns will produce at least at the level he's been at, even if the defense is on the field a ton. Austin, what do you think? Yeah, when you look at this defense and and who they have, the pieces that they have, Brian Burns is the clear standout player. He's going to be on the field. He's going to be making the plays. He's the guy you want to own in Carolina. Outside of that, you've got a bunch of guys that are just kind of, 
they're not really outstanding. I mean, there's some pieces who you know, it could could work out nicely. The secondary does look pretty good. So those are definitely going to help. But Brian Burns is able to generate pressure a lot of different ways. He, he, you know, he's able to get tackles. He's a pretty good tackler, you know, despite not being an elite sack artist, you know, he's still able to get to the quarterback, get some, those tackle for loss numbers have gone up every year. So if he can continue that trend and and get those up a little bit more and maybe start to get to the quarterback just a little bit more, you know, you're going to like what the production you get is, but yeah, definitely a tear break here for Brian Burns. You know, but he should have a good season for you. You know, if you're looking for that defensive end spot, you're wanting to try to grab a good one. I mean, you don't want to spend the draft capital to grab one of these top guys. I mean, you know, there's not much better than you that you can get than Brian Burns for sure. Yeah, Brian Burns is definitely, uh, I feel, one of the safer ones of of our three to six range potentially. So definitely, definitely a fan. Number six is Joey Bosa from the Chargers. We will, and, and I appreciate you guys in the chat, you know, chopping it up. We will get to questions here in just a little bit. As we get through our list, we'll hit the questions at the end, and we'll, we'll make sure to get you taken care of. Joey Bosa, Craig, talk about him a little bit. What do you think about him? I mean, he's one of those guys that feels like he should be safe, but, I mean, who knows? What's your, what, do you, what do you think about him? He's a guy that, uh, and this is all, you know, relatively speaking for fantasy football, he's older then I think you know he's going to be 27 this year, which isn't crazy. But you know those guys in the defensive line, by and large, they get beaten up pretty well throughout the course of their career. Nagging injuries can pile up, and you're not always going to run into a guy like you know a Cam Hayward that's going to be playing at a, a great level till he's 33 or 34. And Joy Bosa, the real question is, is he going to be healthy? Because the years that he's been hurt, he's had down years. The years that he hasn't is sort of like in every other year, almost, you know, 2016 and 2017, he had quality years with double-digit tackles for a loss and sacks. 2018, he played seven games. He had five and a half and seven. Bounced back in 2019, 11 and a half and 18. 2020, he played in 12 games, seven and a half, 15. And then this past year, he had 10 and a half and five. So, I mean, the five is a bit disconcerting, but... It's really one of those things where, to me, I do have him in my top 10 here. I had him right at the 10. And, again, if I know more about the Chase Young situation that came out the past few days, he probably bumped up to 9 with someone else at 10. The reason that I have him down there is just I have concerns about guys that have had concussion issues throughout their career and what that means for their career. And the same thing with the neck. He had neck injury you know, that was checked out early in his career. That head and neck stuff, especially in this day and age, they aren't taking that stuff lightly at all, nor should they. But for fantasy purposes and redraft, it's something I'm considering a lot more if I'm going to be spending high up on a anyone at any position. If I'm spending a premium pick, that's probably a better way of saying it. I don't want to be taking a guy that you know has those sort of concerns. And am I hoping or predicting any of it? No. But looking at him compared to these other guys, I think that's a real concern for him. Well, yeah, it's tough. He's had, what, three seasons of fairly full play? I mean, was it 2017, 2019, and last year? I mean, like last year, what, he missed year, a game? Yeah. yeah. So if the trajectory continues, then this year's a down year, right? He misses some time, significant amount of time. And, you know, and even if that's five to seven games, I mean, the last thing uh, last thing I want to do is take a risk on that, especially if I'm taking him as one of my, you know, and, and this kind of top 10 list is is all your starters, right? These are your kind of your the guy you're leaning on. And I don't know that you can trust. He's like he's like the Chase Young situation. You know, what are we going to expect? Is he going to be a down year? Is he going to be slow to slow to produce? Is, or is he going to be perfectly fine? Uh, the other thing, you know, it can cut both ways. But at least, you know, we'll we'll see what he has left in the tank. He has a historically good pass rusher across from him now in Khalil Mack. Now Mack didn't show a whole lot last year with the Bears. The Bears, by and large, didn't. I mean, Robert Quinn had a very nice right. year. But Mac didn't show a whole lot. I think he's going to be motivated to get back into a division, especially playing against a competitive division mm-hmm. um, and playing the chart, not the Chargers. He's on the Chargers, playing the Raiders again, who he used to be on. You know, I think that's going to be a motivating factor for him, especially with the moves that they have made. So, could that eat up into some of Bosa's production? Yeah, but it could also take some attention away from Bosa because, except for you know a couple Melvin Gordon years early, in, Melvin Gordon. Right Melvin team Ingram. wrong player. We Melvin knew what you Ingram. mean. <laughs> yeah. Right uh, team wrong Melvin. Melvin Ingram had a couple nice years earlier there in Bosa's crew, but beside from him, they really haven't had much of a pass rusher. So it'll be interesting to see how those two play across from each other. What do you think about Austin? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm pretty excited about Khalil Mack coming into Los Angeles. I think they got a really good defense. You know, you look at some of the guys that they brought in with J.C. Jackson. You know, they've got Asante Samuel on the back end, Derwin James. So they've got a really good secondary. And, you know, kind of like you talked about earlier, Craig, you know, those coverage sacks still count as sacks. As long as Joey's still on the fi- on the field, you know, as long as he's playing 16 games or 17 games, you know, you're going to get the production that you want. You look at the upside for this player. As long as he's healthy, there may be safer players on this list that we're going to talk about today, but those players aren't going to get you the same production that Joey Bosa is. He, Joey Bosa has the upside to be a top four player in this list that we're talking about here. You know, like you guys said, though, there is the element of, you know, can he stay on the field? And if he can't, you know, then you know, he overdrafting him depending on where you take him so he doesn't come without risk but he certainly does come with the most upside in my opinion of you know some of the guys that we're going to start talking about right here in this range even you know like i said we just talked about you know some of the safe picks with you know brian burns being a safe guy i don't think brian burns has the same upside in production you know especially on the sacks as like joey bosa will it's it's a it's a tough conversation to have i mean even to 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 Cody's point, you know, there's a lot that goes into the driving a player to be the best and be elite and and be, you know, above the rest. And and it's he's one of those guys that has the tools. He's had the tools his entire career, and it shows when he's on. Nobody's, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best. He's one of those guys that you know he's, and I think after the kind of the top, really after the tear break of you know of of watt garrett bosa after that i mean you have to decide you know how you want to to answer some of these questions with with injury concerns or whether you have concerns about the player and motivation whatever age concerns i mean you have to decide if you want to take the shot and 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 hope that it's successful or not risk it and and let somebody else take i mean bosa is another one of those guys that you just have to put in that list of i'm there is a risk here at what point do i feel comfortable taking the risk and and buying into them but when we get to this point though you're you're not spending one of your top couple round idp selections on bosa i think that one he's probably got a significant amount of of linebackers and or safeties in between him and some of these other guys i i don't know exactly on our list where he would be but i gotta think there's a few at each position that are going to be taken before we get to a bosa type player because Linebacker tends to be king, depending on scoring, and safeties can even slide up into there too. So, I don't, I don't think that you're having to to go crazy to get this guy, but we'll see. Next up on the list is is Cameron Jordan from the Saints. This is where you get into the age conversation. At what point does he fall off the wagon? And it appears like he can do it as long as he wants to do it because he's just been so good for so long. Craig, I'll start with you. I know that you're a, a big fan of Cameron Jordan. Tell us, talk us into it. Explain why. This year is going to be no different. He's going to continue to be the man. So for redraft purposes, you know, we probably mentioned it last week, but I don't put as much stock in the whole age thing for guys that have consistently done it throughout their career. He's a guy that, yes, age is not on the side. He's going to be 33 here soon. But if you look at every year since his rookie year, so after that, rookie year is 2011, but from 2012 through last year, he hasn't had less than – or hasn't had fewer than seven and a half sacks, eight tackles for a loss, and one, two, three, four, five, like seven years in a row, he's had double-digit tackles for a loss. And then with the tackles, he's averaging over, besides that rookie year again, 54 tackles, which, you know, when you can get that combined with your sacks and your tackles for a loss, he's just a high-motor guy that even with, He's sort of like the equivalent to when we get to the interior defensive lineman, Cameron Jordan. You know, they're sort of the two old horses at this defensive line position. Oh, they just keep mm. doing it. Sorry, Cameron. Hayward. Yeah, Hayward. I knew what you meant. I was thinking, I was like, mm, yeah, it is a Cameron. Yeah, Ron yeah. Cameron. You're absolutely and, and not Jordan right. Cameron, who was a tight end from years ago that had a cup mm. of tea with the Browns. Um, that was always fun to get confused when people are putting in waiver. But anyway, to the point, he's just consistently done it, and I'm not being shying away from that sort of production in a redraft league because again if he just ends up being terrible if this is the year that he falls off you know i'm taking him later here it'll hurt but you can also in redraft get rid of him 
and you don't have that investment year to year. And I also think that spot across from them, I think the resign mark is Davenport and Peyton Turner showed some stuff last year. And, you know, they're trying to compete for a division title in the playoffs with what they've done in the offense. The offense should be a bit better this year than that whole mess that they had last year. I'm not a complete James Winston truther, but he's going to be better than that mess that they had last year. And they're putting weapons around him. So I like the situation this year again for Cameron Jordan. Austin. Yeah, I like Cameron Jordan a lot. Like you said, he's going into his 12th season, so you wonder, you know, at what point is this guy going to stop? And you kind of wonder the same thing about, like, you know, guys you talked about already, the Cameron Haywards. And for me, it's Fletcher Cox is the guy that I was just like, this guy's just dominant. It doesn't matter how, you know, it doesn't matter. Age is not a number for this guy. You see a little bit of that, you know, with Cameron Jordan as well. He's just a guy that it's complete opposite. If you ask me from the last guy we talked about, Joey Bosa, where, you know, you, you know, people have questioned, you know, does he always love football? You know, the guy like Cameron Jordan, you know, the answer is always yes. He's a fun yep. guy. He has a lot of fun with the game. He's, you know, lighthearted after the games he, and, he, and he gets on the field, he runs his mouth, but he's just, you know, he's just an awesome player. He's fun to watch. And you look at, you know, Going into his 12th season, like you talked about, I mean, the production's there. So this is one of those guys who feels like a really safe pick if you're taking him. And you could get a really great return. You know, he could produce elite numbers. You look at the sacks, you know, several years he's had finished with at least 10, 12 sacks or more. You know, all these tackles for losses, double digits for, like you said, last seven years or so. The the, the, the tackle numbers are there. I mean, so the production's there uh, in every facet of the game for him. And I'd see no reason to think that it would change this year well and if you look at and and i'm going to be using our roto heat scoring you know when i when i say this statement but you know tj watt averaged you know 16 plus points a game last year obviously average and then the next guy kind of drops down to like 12 points a game but then you have a group of guys there's you know from from bosa on you know one two three four five six there's eight guys in this tier of like 10 to 12 points on average and Jordan and Cameron Jordan's in there. I mean, this guy is just, is, is a consistent producer. You know, if you look at kind of the on average, which obviously is what it is, he's on the field all the time. Very rarely misses time. I mean, he's just one of those guys that in my mind, when he decides he wants to be done, he'll be done. And then otherwise he's going to produce at a high level until that point. And I'm with you guys. I feel good about him as one of the top 10 guys, somebody you can lean on as your, as your, you know, number one player at the edge position. And then you just kind of go from there. I mean, you feel good about it and he'll slide. I've seen him, you know, in plenty of drafts slide down just because the age, we got a lot of Anthony Leone's in leagues thinking age is a big deal, but if a guy's successful, a guy's successful, it doesn't really matter what his age is. Right. It can be, you know, 32, 33 years old and still be producing well. It just is what it is when you're a guy like this. These are the kind of players I would assume this is a Hall of Fame type player, right? He should have no problem getting in because of the body of work. I mean, this guy's just so good. It's so hard not to say anything but nice things about him because of the player, because of the person, because of the production, because of all these things. But this isn't the Cameron Jordan fantasy spectacular. There are other players to talk about. Next up is a guy that is not the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, but is a edge rusher from Jacksonville, Josh Allen. Guy I've been a huge fan of. I don't know what to expect from this defense coming in with Doug Peterson, but I feel like it's a good thing for him. I feel like they'll probably leave him hand in the dirt a little bit more and allow him to just play specifically that type of role, hopefully. And we should see. Craig, what do you think about Josh Allen? We have him at number eight in our top ten list. How do you feel about him? So last year, if you weren't paying attention to defense even, but Josh Allen sacking and having an interception on Josh Allen was one of the highlights for the IDP community because it got a lot of light on the situation, so that was fun. <laughs> but beyond that, I don't really know what to expect out of Josh Allen. I think I have him at nine here, which uh, Austin had him lower at 10, it looks like. He had a really hype-filled, great first year. You know, he had 10 and a half sacks, 44 combined tackles, 11 tackles for a loss. He was the defensive rookie of the year, I, I think. Uh, but anyway, he was up there, and he just had a great year. Then he played eight games, you know, injuries, this and that. He had just a blah second year. And this last year, so, you know, he played a full year, just about I think he missed the one game. His combined tackles skyrocketed 
to 71. 71. Yep. His tackles for a loss were about the same, and his sacks went down. So is he a guy, that, and was it a positional thing, where you know he wasn't playing with his hand in the dirt as much, so that's where the, he had more of the tackles than the sacks? I'm just confused at what we're going to be getting out of Josh Allen going forward here. And I, I do respect the talent. I do think he should be in the top 10, but you know, he also had some attitude issues. There was a lot of talk about him possibly being traded and not liking being in Jacksonville. And I can't imagine that he wants to be in Jacksonville even more after being there last year and going through that. So he's fine. He's a guy that's great talent. I like him. I'm just confused at what we're getting out of him. And to me, when I can't figure a guy out and know what I'm getting out of him, I'm not just going to have him up near the top. And wouldn't that just be crazy if, if Jacksonville turns around after trading, what was that corner they took in the first round a couple years back? They traded Henderson. Yeah. CJ Henderson after one year trading the first round, you know, it's just like, what? Only, only a, you know, a crazy franchise would be trading multiple, first round drafted players very shortly after you take i mean that'd just be insane i can't imagine that happening they have a new coaching staff you know doug peterson mike caldwell's running the defense i would anticipate hopefully they've they've smoothed things over because peterson seems to be a coach that can that can get in tune with his players and, and be kind of a player's coach but we'll see austin what's your take on josh allen how are you feeling about him yeah, I mean, this, you talk about some of the things that the Jacksonville Jaguars have done, not only from a roster standpoint, but just you know, on a player standpoint, but a coaching standpoint. It hasn't really had a whole lot of stability there, and they've just kind of been a joke of a franchise. You look at what they did this year at the draft, though, you know, a lot of encouraging pieces that they brought in. You know, they brought in Alukun, you know, and they've got some guys around Josh Allen that I think will allow him to play the way that we would like him to, you know, especially if you're looking for that sack production from him, there's a pretty clear, if you look at the numbers, you know, going from 10 and a half sacks down to seven and a half sacks, but you saw the tackles increase. Um, you look at the quarterback hits, he went in 2019 from 23 down to 14 in 2021. We're just comparing apples to apples, you know, two years, he was healthy. It's pretty clear to me that they were asking him to just do something different and I think with the additions that they've got, you know, obviously bringing in Trayvon Walker to give mm -hmm. a, a presence opposite of him is going to be a huge help. But also, you know, bringing in Devin Lloyd, they've got Aluakun, and then they've also got Muma to back them up. I'm not sure how much time Muma will see, but you know, those are three good pieces. And those guys should be able to focus on getting those tackles. They're, they're going to be the guys that are going to generate those tackles and do those things. And then, like you mentioned, just let Josh Allen put his head down and go, you know, get to the quarterback. He's been productive every way they've asked him to be productive, I think. But you just like to see him get back to being able to focus on being a pass rusher. Uh, and as long as he does that, plays all 16 games, I think he'll be pretty productive and I think he'll be happy with the results. Yeah. Especially I'm, at cost. Well, yeah. I mean, at, at that price, there's potential for him to outplay the value, you know, and outplay yeah. the, the place that you would take him potentially. All right. Number nine. Uh, and we'll get to nine and 10 quickly so we can move on to the QA portion. But uh, we do appreciate you guys hanging around for those that have been in the chat, dropping, you know, dropping question. We'll, we'll get, we'll get at you here momentarily. Harold Landry from Tennessee Titans had a, career year last year what do you have like 10 12 sacks something like that that's the highest he had um i think he had nine a couple two seasons before that but this is a guy that looks like he's finally kind of gotten to the point where we feel good about his consistency potentially he's a guy that you know this team is kind of in a weird spot i mean you think they should still be have having no trouble competing but then there's concerns about quarterbacks and situation with Tannehill and just kind of confusion and all sorts of madness going on. But then you look at the defense and you still have a solid defense. You've got Jeffrey Simmons up front is a guy that just wreaks havoc. And then you got Landry with him that should be a beneficiary of the strong defensive line play that's there. Craig, what's your take? How are you feeling about Landry? And, and do we think that he kind of gets closer to last year's production or do we think he kind of slides back to what we saw the previous two years? So that interesting offense that uh, sort of rebuilding on the fly, but not really rebuilding. That aside, they've been making moves on their defense that I do like. You know, that linebacker core this year should still be good with David Long and Cunningham. 
And then sort of on the outside, you got Dupree, who, you know, he'd been coming back from injury, but he's, you know, can get to the quarterback. We've seen that when he's healthy. Opposite of Landry, the defensive line has been improved. You know, Jeffrey Simmons being the, the one big guy there that's really taken a step forward. So I like the defense as a whole. The secondary has some questions, especially at cornerback. So we'll see what happens there. But Harold Landry is going to be a guy that will get you some tackles for a loss, get you some sacks, even if it isn't, you know, repeat of the double-digit sacks this last year but he gets you those tackles and maybe it's a, a safety thing that i like to have that safe tackle floor on these guys to go with those sacks that's why you know you probably never hear us say a whole lot of good things in fantasy football terms about a, like a yannick Ngakwe because he's just a pure like pass rushing specialist and it's mm-hmm. either going to be completely boom or bust you don't have some sort of floor but with landry you get that and i think you showed enough you know, he's improving throughout his career in that pass rushing regard, having a better defense around him. Last year, he was top 10, I think, in like points per game and like fifth in total points for these edge type of players using our scoring. So, you know, he was up there last year, and I don't see a reason why he can't repeat it if he's healthy. And he's been durable throughout his career, too, which is sort of a theme for most of these guys. Okay. And then we'll rapid fire the last one. We'll get to number 10, and we'll let Austin have this one. So, Shaq Barrett from Tampa Bay. So he was consistent. He's been consistent over the last few years with his combined tackles. You know, he's in the 50 to 60 range. But then those sacks, I mean, he had a career year three years, you know, three seasons back, dipped down, uh, what, like eight sacks, and then kind of bounced back up and got you double digits. What makes you think or or how do you feel about, I mean, this is a team that looks like they're still going to try to make it one more time. They haven't re-signed, you know, Ndamukong Sue, but otherwise, I mean, they've got some strong young talent up on the rise. What makes you think Shaq Barrett's going to be a, a top 10 piece this year? And, and where do you think about his production and, and what can we expect from him? Yeah, so Shaq Barrett will never reach the 19 and a half stacks he got in, in, 20, in 2019. I don't think we should expect that kind of a production for him. He's probably more of that 8 to 10, eight to 12 sack guy, in my opinion. But, you know, he's consistently producing the tackles. He's getting to the quarterback still. You know, he's able to generate some tackles for loss. You'd like to see those go back up. But he's a guy that plays well in the system that he's in. You know, I think that defense overall is pretty good. Uh, it's a unit that, you know, those front seven, there hasn't been a whole lot of turnover or change. And those guys play really well together. Back into the defense, obviously, you got a little bit of turnover there that that's kind of happened lately. But the front seven, they're really in tune with each other. And I think Shaq Barrett's one of those guys, you know, just him along with, uh, you know, Levante David are two really, really underrated guys. Some veteran guys that have been around for a while, understand the game, understand how the league works. And, um, I, you know, I see him being a, a productive guy again. I could see him hitting that double-digit sack number again this year, maybe on the nose with 10, and then the tackles should be there. So he's a guy who's just consistent. Uh, you look at the time, he hasn't missed a whole lot of time, so he's reliable. He's able to stay on the field. So in that regard, you know, he's he's a pretty safe pick, and I, I've got him in my top 10. I like it. We have him in our top 10 as well, right? So our consensus top 10 for this year, he's there. Just to recap it for those that, that – have hung around number one tj watt then we got miles garrett bosa chase young brian burns joey bosa cameron jordan josh allen harold landry and shaq barrett that's more for the audio crowd video crowd you have this lovely graphic up here that shows you it hopefully this helps you guys hopefully this prepares you and and gives you some idea of of kind of where we see the edge rushers falling in in this season and kind of where we would take them if we were in your situation but we also have other ways to help. So if you get to redraft season and, and you're in these situations where you need some help, rotoheat.com. You can get our rankings. You can jump into our Discord. You know, we've been adding people to Discord on the daily, more people every single day, jumping into the conversations, whether you want to talk IDP, you want to talk Devi, you want to talk Dynasty, Superflex, whatever your f- cup of tea is, we are here to help you. We thank you guys, as always, for for listening. If you're on podcast format, we do appreciate it. We're still trying to grow the podcast following, so if you'd love to drop a five-star rating, review, all that good stuff, tell them that you love us, we would appreciate that as well. With that being said, we do thank you guys, as always. We're going to jump to the questions part of the show, so if you want questions answered live, Monday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time, you can look at our beautiful smiling faces, you can hear our sultry, soothing sounds, and get your questions answered live. We do thank you guys, as always. With that being said... We will say adieu and get over to the dudes with the questions. See you. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. 
Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.